0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the House Divided podcast. It is finally Rivalry Week. We made it. You know, at the beginning of the football season, it just felt so far away, and it feels like we've lived in eternity, Jeremy. But we're here.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think my eternity has been at like one and a half speed compared to yours. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's finally here. The reason the show kind of came together uh but actually it, it it is for two reasons but uh more so that the show came together for college hockey and we have rivalry week in that too this week so it's uh it's all coming together so it's uh it's a big weekend uh for the show
0: I don't know if this has ever happened especially with what uh happened on today which is Sunday won't be when this drops but um with with having a soccer game in the Big 10 tournament followed by the weekend being the hockey weekend and the football game I don't know if we've ever had a rivalry week quite like this to be honest with you um
1: yeah I think maybe it's happened with like like hockey and basketball but uh you know it's definitely the earliest I remember ever having a hockey series part of the whole you know Big Ten having seven teams now and and the Big Ten schedule starting so early but I uh, I can't remember a hockey series being so early, so yeah, yeah this neither. is definitely the first time I think I can remember uh, for sure. And and in combination with that, a football game so late. Yeah, you know, usually we play we play by o- the end of October for sure. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a different type of rivalry week. I think we've had maybe probably some hockey and basketball crossover at some point, but for sure the only time we've had a football hockey uh,
0: same week. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, it it'll be a lot of fun. Um, obviously that being split. Yeah, next year Michigan and Michigan State play October tenth. So it Oh, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like this
1: wait until the end of the season stuff. It's uh I think it, it especially probably for you guys, more so even than MSU. Um, you know, you guys having to wait till November for your two rivalry games this year, two of your, your big ones. Obviously you had Notre Dame again this year too, but yeah, I, I much prefer the October timeline, and then uh, you get to have a few more weeks after, and yeah, that's a better system for sure.
0: It definitely is, um, and I'm not sure when we're going to get this again. I'm going through all these fo- future schedules right now, the the Big Ten, and I am up to 2024, and the latest that the game will be played again November 2nd in 2024. Outside of that, it's October twenty, October twenty second. Um, so yeah, all right. It, this is definitely unique, and we probably won't see a game this late again. It was finally our opportunity to get a Michigan-Michigan State uh, snow fest, uh, but I looked at the weather for this Saturday, and it does not look like it is going to snow. So that's kind of a bummer.
1: Oh man. Yeah, that is kind of a bummer. Maybe we'll get it for uh, Ohio State at the end of the month, and uh, maybe that will be the
0: snow fest. I will be in attendance, so please know. Uh, actually, I wouldn't mind the snow. As long as it helps slow down Justin Fields, I, I would be thrilled. But Yeah, slow the slow the Georgia boy down. Yes, but we are not here to discuss Michigan getting whacked in the face by Ohio State. We are here to discuss Michigan State getting whacked by Michigan. Just kidding. Yes. Not getting it. Under myself <laughs> and we are not, trust me, we were having a conversation in pre show prep. I am not overconfident. Do not mistake my jokes for overconfidence. Um, so I'm going to need you to at Brendan for
1: AFC uh, and tell him that we should all be very super confident for Michigan. Um, tell him to get up on his britches uh, feeling good. Let's Should get we him do a confident this, this week. Oh God, God! Listen, Brendan, I I'm not a shark by any means, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've been following. I've been texting you my my good winnings at the Bovada machine the last few weeks, including hitting a three-team parlay yesterday. And uh I, so now I'm gonna feel like a shark, Brendan. I don't make bad bets, um, and I don't see any reason to bet on this MSU team with you right now. uh you'd have to offer some pretty, pretty awesome odds of, like, you know, if I lose, I have to eat a Dunkin' Donuts because I hate Dunkin' Donuts.
0: And if, uh, if you lose, I need you to, like, jump in, like, Michigan in December. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to – yeah, we, we'll save the fight song uh, bet uh, until two good Michigan and Michigan State fan, teams play each other in any sport. You know
1: who, You know who loses in the fight song bet is the listener.
0: I uh, have to, to probably one that's, of us sing. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Um, well, so no bet this week. Fine. Um, we'll start with football then, cause, and we'll get into hockey too, but we'll start with football. Um, let's kind of start with previewing when Michigan is going to have the ball. Uh, this is a Michigan State defense that is obviously missing Joe Baki, uh, or Dang it. Joe (laughs) Bocci. And uh, it looked like it hurt giving up 37 points to Illinois and maybe also just having that leader on defense to settle everybody down once they get a run going. But um, we'll see. Uh, Michigan's probably going to look to attack that linebacker area, I would assume. Wouldn't be surprised to see some run pass options.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like that would be – I think that they would want to attack and also, you know, Michigan's pretty deep with wide outs. The MSU secondary has not been up to their uh, level of play that we usually have come to expect under Mark Antonio to have a pretty good secondary. Um, so I would imagine, you know, with, with the sheer just amount of good receivers Michigan has that one of them is going to be uh, looking like a decent option on every play. Um, so I would expect Michigan to try and be pass heavy. Uh, I don't think they have to go away from the run by any means, but I, I think their greatest success will come through the air.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I just think that this Michigan State secondary might not be able to handle the speed of Donovan Peoples-Jones, or more specifically, though, the size of Nico Collins. Um, Why Michigan doesn't just chuck it up to him on a go-route three or four times a game, I don't understand. But that's what I'll continue to hope for this weekend. Um, With the run game, I really think this is a good opportunity to continue building that repertoire between Charbonnet and Haskins with that one-two punch that they seem to get going in the last couple weeks. Uh, Really hope to see Michigan blocking well because obviously this is a – Michigan State defense that can defend the run. Um, specifically, I want to see how Michigan is able to handle Kenny Willikis.
1: Yeah, I think Kenny uh, had a much better game than he's had uh, in the months of in the month of October. Um, so he was pretty disruptive against Illinois. Uh, probably deserved a few more holding calls and uh, being disruptive in a way of. Forcing ten yards back, even if it's not a sack, but by drawing a holding call. Uh, Michigan's offensive line has gotten pretty good, but I think they're still. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the weakest part is probably on the edge. Um, is that right, or is that?
0: Yes, uh, correct. The, them or yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's not to even call them weak, but yeah, it, it is. Right. And because you're gonna find a spot? Yeah, the interior on that O line was just abs- Has been. Ever since Caesar Ruiz kind of had that midseason turnaround, um, him on Wenu and Bredesen have just been mauling people. And so, yeah, I, I would agree that the weakness is on the edge, which is awesome because Michigan gets to play Kenny Wilkis and Chase Young in the next uh, three weeks. But I think it'll be interesting to see how they call plays around them. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they're really struggling to get the run game going. To see them just completely abandon it and kind of replace runs with some really quick passes, some screens. Uh, but yeah, right. that's that. I really think their plan of attack should be to get their get the linebackers in wrong positions, and then hopefully try and get uh, force Michigan State into using some safety help so they can get some more one on one matchups on the side.
1: Yeah seems like a uh, a wise plan for them to take advantage of the, uh, the weaknesses on the mSU defense
0: and uh what's going to happen when the other when Michigan State has the ball, Jeremy? What is the plan of attack against this Michigan defense would you think
1: so I mean they had a pretty good week this week against Illinois, uh, like we talked about in the show leading up to the Illinois game that we thought they could get the run offense going and they did uh even including two freshmen on the offensive line who really held their own. Uh, but I don't think that's going to translate to uh, playing Michigan. The you know, level of competition is going to take a big jump for them uh, as far as the run game. Um, if they're going to do the run game getting going, they're going to have to do it in some different ways. Uh, with like LaRess Nelson doing jet sweeps, they started to introduce last week uh, Anthony Williams, who is also a freshman running back. Um, who we were expecting pretty good things after the spring game. Uh, he probably had his most, uh, I, I haven't seen a snap count, but I would you know, guess for sure that it was probably the most snaps he's played all year. And a lot of it was him lined up in the slot doing like a jet sweep, things like that. So if they're going to try and get the run game going, I think that's going to be the way they have to do it. They can't really just uh, play inside zone or, you know, try and do everything on the ground uh, between the tackles. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, in the past game, I don't know. uh, Cody White was pretty good this week. I really liked what I saw from him. But Lewerke's been so inconsistent this year with just, you know, continuing to have accuracy problems and to probably have a little bit too many turnovers and receivers continuing to drop the ball on it with Darrell Stewart injured. So uh, I can't imagine – you know, if they're throwing the ball a lot, it means that they're trailing and they're just trying to get back in the game. So I think the plan should be uh, short to intermediate you know, routes for, will work for you to throw the ball quick and not be sitting back in the pocket too long.
0: How many trick play, trick plays does Mark D'Antonio have lined up for this game?
1: See, so the interesting thing, I think that's going to be kind of the interesting thing. We haven't seen a ton of uh, trick plays. I mean, we had the fake punt against Wisconsin. Um, you know they've done some of their like screens. They've gone away from the screen game a little bit, and I think part of that is their uh, the best running back in the screen game was definitely uh, Connor Hayward, and now that he's in the transfer portal, they've they've uh, pulled back on the number of screens they've called recently. It's usually like they always have one where they'd run like a uh, what looks like a play action with reverse on it, and then they do a screen going the other direction. They've done that a couple of times against Michigan. Um, so that you could see that type of play again. But the interesting part for me is that you have a new offensive coordinator, at least as far as uh, calling his first game against Michigan. So I'm kind of intrigued to see if Salem, uh, what he kind of cooks up uh, in the way of any trick plays or scripted plays that we haven't seen yet. Because you always know that that's going to happen. D'Antonio makes the Michigan game his number one game. Uh, He's going to have some things in the playbook, uh, both for the first drive, and for later in the game. So I am intrigued to see with a new OC what that looks like against you guys. So I'm going to say at least we're going to set the line at two-and-a-half trick place, uh, and I would probably feel pretty comfortable taking the over on that.
0: I would feel very comfortable taking the over on that. That may be my paranoia, but, uh, yeah, I just feel like they're going to have a lot of interesting things uh, set up for this game. And I'm not saying it's all going to work out because sometimes you get two in your head trying to be too fancy and the defense could just blow it up but it'll be really interesting to see uh how that develops I'm really interested to see how the time of possession develops here because I know Michigan State likes to control the clock and so did Michigan used to but I feel like they've gone away from that a little bit under Josh Gaddis so I'm interested to see how the time of possession kind of affects this game Um, One thing we didn't talk about in our last episode about the Illinois game, but there were quite a few big plays. Does this Michigan State defense just seem susceptible to explosive plays right now? Or do you think that might have been a one-off?
1: No, they're susceptible to it in the way that um, they have some pretty decent corners. But one of the issues right now uh, that they're finding at cornerback is Uh, possibly their two best corners in Shakur Brown and uh, Josiah Scott are a little undersized. So um, if they are beat for a pass, it could be either a a long jump ball like the Hail Mary that Illinois hit on at the end of the first half uh, Saturday, or it could be, um, you know, a a 20-yard route that then, because they're undersized corners, they struggle to get the taller receivers down on the ground and then they break a tackle and it turns from a 20 yard gain into a 45 yard gain. Um, So they are certainly susceptible right now, especially if a blitz doesn't get home or Kenny Wilkis or Raekwon Williams aren't able to be disruptive. Uh, If you give the quarterback enough time, they are very susceptible to long plays right now. And the biggest probably surprise out of it is that the tackling just has not been very good. Uh it's in open space. They've missed way too many tackles. So, um yeah, so certainly susceptible. I don't think it's a fluke thing I think it is just uh just one of the issues that they're facing right now.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um that brings us to special teams. Um as far as Michigan is concerned, the punting has been very average to below average. The kicking game has been very below average this year. Um and, yeah, special teams isn't going great uh, right now for Michigan. So I I believe that's a way for if this ends up being close and Michigan State's getting a lot of turnovers, that could be another way for them to sneak in. Uh, Michigan State on special teams, is there anywhere you think they can kind of get one over on Michigan, get that little bit of an edge? Has Hart Hartenberger still been doing pretty well this year? Uh,
1: no, he, his average has come down quite a bit. I'm not quite sure why or uh, what's been going on there, but yeah, we're, we're one of the lowest special teams uh, in S and P plus um, and have been for a few weeks. Uh, and we usually are just because of our return game, not really providing much. So we lose a lot of the field position battles because of that. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's going to be a concern for MSU this week. I think the good news is I think both of us are probably not very confident in our place kickers, <laughs> um, And uh, so I I don't think there's a huge advantage for Michigan there. Uh, But in the punt game, uh, Harbarger has the ability, but he just hasn't had as good of a season as I think uh, we expected. So um, if he can play up to what we are, we know he's capable of, then yes, but he needs to have some improvement from where he's been at.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So then my last note for the football game was any other rivalry nonsense. Uh, I didn't, I really don't even have an idea what that sentence means. Uh, Mainly, I guess, going off of what happened last year with all the pregame BS. um, Right. Do you foresee any of that? You foresee one of these teams trying to go and take another shot or uh, stir the pot before the game? Maybe Michigan State being the underdog trying to do it?
1: I don't think so, no. Um, yeah, I, you no, know, I don't really know if I, I see that, uh, happening this year. Um, maybe if they had a little bit more, uh, edge right now, I could think that, but no, it'll probably be chippy in game, but I can't really think of, uh, uh, any chicanery happening.
0: Yeah. See, I say that I agree with you too, but then like. Last year, if we would have had this podcast, it's not like we would have had any idea of what was going to ensue Saturday morning before the game.
1: That is very true.
0: Um, so, you know, personally, just because we need things to talk about, I'm kind of hoping some BS goes down. But, uh, you know, it, it's more, than, more likely than not that uh, we don't get any fun shenanigans on Saturday morning. Um, we will get into predictions Later in the show, Uh, we're going to do our Big Ten against the spread later, so we will make our official game predictions then. Um, So it's time for hockey. Michigan is hosting Michigan State on Thursday, and then the Wolverines travel to Munn to take on the Spartans on Saturday night at 7. It should be an interesting weekend, to say the least. Don't count on a ton of goals, but uh, it's going to be some chippy physical play.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you have the Krieger brothers and Butrus Safari, so we're gonna have some uh, we're gonna have some chippiness. That's that's just gonna always happen. Um, no, and the good news is people can actually see the game because Thursday is on BTN, so uh, we don't have to rant and rave uh, at least as much as we normally would about BTN Plus. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, and both teams really need a good weekend. Uh, I think Michigan State's not really they're not in a bad place about being three and five. I think they, uh, you know, can definitely be happy with how they played, uh, you know, splitting a few of their series against some talented teams, including, you know, a top 10 opponent in Penn State and then a top 20 level opponent in Northern Michigan. So I think they they can be decently happy with where their season is at, Um, you know, especially having three series uh, already on the road. But I think both teams probably really want a good weekend uh, in the league and can really need it. Neither one of them is riding that high right now. So a little bit of desperation sinking in. So uh, Saturday night can get a little bit chippy. That's for sure.
0: I I absolutely love the desperation factor of the series. Obviously it'd be more fun if the desperation factor was because we want to be at the top of the big 10 and both teams are competing for a title, but nonetheless it should make for some really interesting hockey games Thursday and Saturday night um i guess we'll start again with uh what michigan has going forward against michigan state um roughly nothing but there, <laughs> there's plenty of oh room man now you know how i feel yeah yeah there's plenty of room to improve um mainly on the power play uh this power play is yet again been absolutely horrible under Mel pearson um if they can at least pick up Two, three goals this weekend on the power play. I will view it as a huge improvement. Um, Slaker played his first series back this weekend, so I'm hoping maybe they adjust the top line and get a top line of Beecher, Lockwood, and Slaker rolling out there. Oh my God! Wait, I don't know if Lockwood even came back on Saturday night after he got hurt Friday night. Do you have any knowledge of that?
1: Uh no, I uh, do not you want to keep
0: covering, I'll I'll
1: look it up for you. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. (laughs) The first thing I Googled was Will Lockwood injury. And the first, uh, article that popped up was a report. Will Lockwood could miss six to nine months. And I was so confused. And it was from 2018 when he got hurt at the world juniors. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That was the bad one. The outdoor game. Okay. So no, he did not dress, uh, Saturday night. Okay, well, hopefully we get him back this weekend because uh, he is an integral part of this team going forward. Um, But I would love to see a forward line of Beecher, Lockwood, and Slaker. Those are clearly the most dynamic players on this team, and clearly spreading them out throughout the lineup hasn't uh, gotten many goals. So hopefully it could be a situation like the Red Wings are currently in where if you just group up your best players, they can produce enough to pull you somewhere. Not that the Red Wings are going anywhere, but that line gets goals. Um,
1: <laughs> no, and, uh, yeah, and so I have two thoughts uh, from having to search this out. One was uh, Saturday night did feature Nolan Moyle coming back in the lineup for Michigan, which is spicy from this series perspective in that he was committed to MSU under Tom Manastis. Uh Dan Cole chose not to take him, and he ended up at Michigan, so – that could be some spicy if uh, he's in the lineup again this weekend. Oh, and, please. Brendan, I had no idea. You know how I know Michigan is struggling. Uh, and and this is, like, worse than, like, it was at the end of Lloyd. Um, when you guys put out your lineup sheet, there's a lot of guys with no NHL logos next to them.
0: Yeah, there and is. That is just.
1: Weird to see. Now I'm not saying that's not a, a rival brag. MSU has a very similar lineup sheet, uh, but that is not normal for Michigan. There was no, is it isn't six guys in the line. Yeah, six guys in the lineup. And if uh, I'm being
0: honest, and one of them was the 13th forward. So it, nice. And if I'm being completely honest, not to get into a state of the program Ooh. thing, but this was one of my worries when we hired award uh, when we hired Mal Pearson because his recruiting style at Michigan Tech was just kind of getting a bunch of older freshmen and using a really uh, an older team to kind of get where they were making NCAA tournaments and I was hoping that with having different resources to recruit with at Michigan we'd be seeing more NHL players and to be completely fair the recruiting cycle for hockey takes like four or five years to actually make an effect because kids recruit at age like 15 or kids commit at like age 15. Um, So there is still time, but yeah, there's been clearly a lack of um, drafted talent in the roster. And you got to think that at least that's part of the scoring issues. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. But to kind of get back on track uh, Michigan going forward, they really need any scoring. We went into the year saying they're going to need depth scoring, but at this point you just need, you need your top line to just do something or you need depth scoring. They just need anybody. Um, and I honestly think that all starts with the special teams because you just need to take advantage of those chances when you can get them.
1: Well, I do have some good news for you if you are a Michigan fan. Uh, as we covered last week, too, in the pre- in the preview to Penn State, uh, despite a good Friday night um, against Penn State, the MSU penalty kill is still a humongous concern. So uh, if you had a game where you could try and get your power play right, this weekend could be a weekend for it because you could have uh, the perfect combination of a penalty kill that's struggling. And then it also be in a rivalry series where maybe you get more opportunities to work on your power play. If it gets a little chippy and uh, MSU plays a little undisciplined, you have more opportunities to try and work through uh, whatever issues are going on with the power play. So uh, that could be uh, – it, it presents an opportunity for Michigan if they want to improve, but it also obviously on the flip uh, presents an opportunity for MSU to feel pretty good about their penalty kill uh, if they can, uh, you know, take advantage of a struggling power play.
0: Yes, when Michigan goes on the power play, it's going to be a battle between a stoppable force versus a movable object. It will be.
1: A hundred percent,
0: yep. Yeah. So let's uh, get into Michigan State going offensively. Um, generated, was it seven goals this weekend against Penn State?
1: Uh, Six. Would have been six. six, yeah. Two on Friday night, uh, with one being an empty net goal, uh, and then
0: four on Saturday night. Gotcha. Thought it was five on Saturday night, but yeah, so six. But six goals still. I mean, that's four more than Michigan scored this weekend. So, you know, what's going good for uh, Michigan State going forward?
1: Uh, so I mean, of course, uh, when we talk about MSU's offense, you got to start with, of course, Kordrinko and Lewandowski uh still producing uh I think they both have seen a little bit of a drop in goals, although has come on the last two weekends. Uh but you know still producing plenty of the points up front. But the the difference this year has really been the fact that they have had really the defensemanship in with a lot more offense than they previously have seen. Uh last year Dennis Asano was a good goal scorer. He has three again this year already. Um, but then you have guys like uh, Jared Rosberg's got a goal. Uh, the Krieger Cole Krieger's got two goals. Um, you know, so that's just things that weren't coming from previous seasons, was you weren't getting that much goal production out of your defensemen. Uh, so uh, Kody Rinko Lewandowski still uh, top two out of the top three in points, um, but they have some guys that are finding the goals uh, at the blue line too. So and that has helped make their power play all the more dangerous because now it's not, you don't have to worry just about, uh, your three forwards kind of below the, uh, below the hash mark. You still have to get all the way out to the point because when you're leaving your points exposed, they will make you pay for it. So, uh, that's, that's going to be a concern for Michigan is that they're going to be spread. Uh, they're going to have to play a full, full zone defense, uh, in their defensive zone to take away all the options that MSU presents.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I really can't wait to watch these games unfold. If I'm being honest, like I, these are two teams that I think are very similar, very uneven levels, which I don't think we could really say recently. Um, and unfortunately it's taken a combination of, well, unfortunately for me, yeah. Michigan State is getting better, which I'm rooting for, as long as Michigan keeps betting better. But Michigan has kind of taken a dip right now um, from where we expected going into the year. But I'm still, nonetheless, should be a fun series. Um, Last thing I wanted to touch on with this series is some goalie talk. Uh, We know who's going to be playing for Michigan outside of any injury. It's going to be Strauss man, who's been incredibly solid so far this year. Uh, what do we know go- about the Michigan State goalie situation going into the weekend?
1: So for the first time all season, they started one goalie last weekend, uh, John Letheman, which I don't I don't believe that was probably the plan going into the weekend. The plan was probably to play John Letheman on Friday uh, and then play Drew DeRitter on Saturday. But when your goalie goes out and has a 48-save shutout uh, and Drew DeRitter has had – I don't think he really has too many struggles as far as himself, but he definitely hasn't gotten any help from his offense in front of him. They decided to roll uh, John Luffman back out on uh, Saturday night, uh, but then he did not have quite as good of a game, uh, giving up five goals and uh, struggling a little bit. So I would assume we're going to see two goalies. I think the interesting thing will be who gets the away game and who gets the home game. Uh, Especially again because uh you go into it and it's one goalie really has an excellent Thursday night. Now you're changing your plans on the fly. Uh so Drew DeRitter's got plenty of road starts last season. So I I wouldn't rule him out for getting the Thursday night game. Uh, but I would have to imagine they're probably gonna go with John on Thursday and then uh and then you know, Drew DeRitter on Saturday unless John uh you know give them a reason to, uh, to roll with him.
0: Yeah. And, uh, okay. That's, that's all there is. I think, um, which means it is prediction time. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, what do you think happens this weekend in hockey?
1: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a gamble and be, uh, be a little bit confident. I think MSU gets at least four points. Uh, with a, a regulation win and then you know some type of a uh, a point loss or you know whether it's winning in overtime or winning in the shootout, uh, but yeah, I think they I have the I think they can get four points out of this. Uh, I just like the way they've been playing more so than Michigan. I think Michigan has just been pretty pretty below where I thought they would be at. So um, I think MSU can ride some of the momentum of knowing that they've played some really good teams and they've had good results and, and get some good results this weekend.
0: Yeah. And uh, that being said, I'm less optimistic than you. Uh, and I am going to say that this is going to be a very dumb weekend. And I ge- like, I genuinely believe that both of these games might get really stupid in a fun way, nonetheless. Um, so I am predicting they're going to split the points evenly at three apiece, and the road team is going to win each game.
1: All right. Okay, that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, which would be pretty miserable for me because if, uh, if Michigan State goes in and wins in regulation at Yost on Thursday, I will not be optimistic heading into Saturday, but nonetheless, that's what I'm predicting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's always tougher when you have to uh... – try and get some points out of a
1: weekend rather than getting them locked down on Friday. Yep. Or in this case, Thursday.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So pretty similar predictions, you being a little bit optimistic for your side. Should be a fun weekend, though. Thursday night game is on BTN. Um, Saturday night game will not be on television, but if you have a BTN Plus account or if you have it for a month just because you wanted to watch a basketball exhibition, definitely check it out Saturday night at 7, Michigan Place, Michigan State. Um, and I was just looking. Tickets are still available um, for that game Saturday night, and I'm sure they are for Thursday. So if you can, go. It'll be a great time um, celebrating. One of the, Honestly, it has fallen a bit, but still, to me, one of the best rivalries in college hockey.
1: Yeah, it's still the one uh, with the most games played. Uh, no rivalry's ever had more, more teams, more times of the teams meeting. So uh, it's the premier rivalry in college hockey for most of college hockey's history. Uh, it's like we said, uh, it's falling off a little bit right now. But um, you know, if you're if you're new to college hockey and you've been trying to get your toes into it, uh, through listening to our podcast and. Uh, this is a weekend that you really shouldn't pass up. You know, this is the one that will probably take you from dipping the toes in to maybe going a little bit more into it because it's, uh, it's always a great great uh, series when these two teams get together.
0: Yes, and nothing does that like also being in the arena, by the way. It's one thing to see them in the clashing jerseys on TV, but being in the arena with people that really care and uh, just seeing those other colors can build a real hatred which is what this podcast is for. So, (laughs) um, that being said, we are going to get into some Big Ten against the spread talk uh, for football. And we're just going to lead off because it is on Big Noon Saturday um, with the game, Michigan State-Michigan, with our official predictions for this edition of the rivalry. Um, Michigan is a 14-and-a-half point favorite at home per ESPN. So... I'll give my prediction first because you went first for hockey. Um, I think this is going to be the second year in a row that Michigan covers the spread against Antonio. I think that Twitter is going to be a very angry place for you guys. And I'm prediction predicting something along the lines of 31 to 10 Michigan. uh, And I think they will cover.
1: Uh, Yeah, I feel like that. I mean, you know, the betters alone have already taken it up to fourteen and a half. I think when I saw one of the one of the books open yesterday uh, earlier this morning, it was at twelve. So um, even though it's moved a little bit, I would still say at this point, I you have to take Michigan coming off of a bye week, not coming off of a terrible, uh, you know, fourth loss in a row and heartbreaking fashion. They're just going to be in a much better space uh MSU could certainly surprise us but uh yeah 14 and a half I would still say Michigan's probably the safe bet
0: oh man I just feel pity at this point because <laughs> there's I oh man it's so much less fun when the other one sucks because like this is basically high risk no reward for Michigan fans yeah oh man but yeah so we both yeah. take Michigan. No, you-
1: yeah, it's, we haven't gotten enough of the like good on good in this series. And when it's happened, it was awesome. Like the year, regardless of the ending and what it was. But just if we could just have 2015 all the time of two really good teams uh, with like good individual matchups, that would be so much preferable to what we've had basically every year since 2015. Uh, that that would be so awesome if we can just get a few years like that string together.
0: Yeah and I mean it wouldn't be good for anybody's heart but I, that 2015 <laughs> game regardless of how it ended was one of the best football games I've ever watched um in college over the last 10 years and uh like I mean that that Aaron Burbridge versus Jordan Lewis all day back and forth it's just so exciting to watch I I've gone back and you know people may be surprised to hear this because of Again, the ramifications it had on Michigan season and just the gut-wrenching way to lose. But I've gone back and watched the entire game, and it was just an absolute treat. Um, it was not targeting on Joe Bolden, but... Uh, no, no, it was not. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was terrible. But, yeah, so, I mean, on one hand, hopefully we get a good game. On the other hand, it will not be a good time for any Michigan fans if it is a good game. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes on Saturday, but yeah, we're both taking Michigan against the spread. So that brings us to the rest of the big 10 real quick. Um, Indiana at Penn state, Penn state is a 14 point favorite. Go.
1: That seems ridiculously high top
0: 25, Indiana,
1: which by the way, thank you, Indiana for doing that. That now gives MSU a top 25 win. Um, (laughs) I, I don't understand. Again, I guess it's just we're we're biased because we said for so long we just didn't think Penn State was that good. Then we finally say, okay, Penn State, you're good, and they really just they got manhandled by Minnesota most of the game. So um, yeah, fourteen seems to. I'll take Indiana. I don't think I I like Penn State enough to cover you know that many points against a good Indiana. Well, actually, you know what? As I would say that, I just remember that Michael Penix is out for the season. Yeah. So, yeah, give me Penn State. <laughs> it was all feeling good on Indiana. I'm so sorry, Indiana, but I just remembered that you have to play Peyton Ramsey and Penn State's going to be pissed off. That nah, this could be bad.
0: Wow, that was the quickest 180 I've ever seen. Uh, and I I was going to – That shows
1: you my level of prep right there that I yeah. had to, like, as I'm talking, remember that Michael Penix is not playing.
0: Yeah, I don't trust Peyton Ramsey against this Penn State pass rush. I'm taking Penn State with the points. Ooh. Um so that brings us to Wisconsin at Nebraska. Uh the Badgers are a 12 point road da, or road favorite that uh, that is. Um at Nebraska after their win over Iowa last week, which by the way, congratulations Jeremy, you did win big ten against the spread last week because Woo. Iowa was able to cover and still lose. But um Wisconsin, I'm going to take That'd them to cover the spread. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm going to take them to cover the 12 point spread because Nebraska's bad and I don't see them keeping this close.
1: Agreed. Uh, Nebraska's very bad.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, give
1: me Iowa. I, Nebraska Wisconsin. may prove us wrong and I'm totally understanding that they could. Uh, but at this point, I'm in show me mode with Nebraska. They have to show me that.
0: It's Wisconsin, not Iowa. Just want to make sure we're clear on that. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm sorry. I was. Watching Dreamy Kirk Cousins too closely here for a second. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wisconsin, then even more so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Double down.
0: Now, this next one may be the least, least interesting game since Rutgers played Princeton 150 years ago. However, <laughs> I think the against a spread pick might be the most interesting one of the week. We have UMass. recent Northwestern at, UMass. Yeah. Oh. UMass at Northwestern minus 38. Northwestern's a 38-point favorite, and uh, – oh, wait, it's your It turn. opened at 40. Okay. <laughs> it's your turn to go first, thank God. I still don't know what I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, so it opened at 40. Um, I will also say that this is going to be hilarious because part of my three-team parlay that I hit yesterday was that Army covering 34 points against UMass, and they almost covered it in the first half. Um, that's how, God, UMass is terrible, and they still are getting uh, 38 points. I have to, I'm going to take UMass. There's no way I believe that Northwestern puts up enough points to actually cover, regardless of how bad UMass is, it doesn't matter. They are not going to lose by that many to Northwestern.
0: Oh, man, I'm taking Northwestern. Uh, (laughs) oh. UMass oh. is so bad. UMass got beat bad by UConn. I yeah, I have no choice, and it feels gross. But doesn't this just kind of have the feeling where Pat Fitzgerald is like, guys, this is our season. We have to beat the crap out of UMass. <laughs> and they'll beat them oh, like, is- it'll be the ugliest 41-0 to win you've ever seen in your life. But, yeah, I'm taking Northwestern. And I hope to God this is our only thing we disagree on this week. Just for the sake of comedy. Um, Next one. Another comically bad spread. Ohio State at Rutgers. Ohio State is a 51-point favorite. Which, by the way, they're a 51-point favorite. And the the point total is 55. (laughs) And I'm taking Ohio State to cover because... This has the vibe of that of a seventy eight to zero type thing to me. I think this is Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think they might cover this in the first half and I'm not even joking.
1: They almost did that this week. Yeah. They were up forty two to nothing at the half. They were so close to covering this week in the first half. Uh yeah. the so Ohio State, um, if you just think about this season, if we would have just bet Ohio State to cover every week, how good we'd probably be up right now. Um, I'll continue to continue to write it. Uh, if I take an L because Rutgers didn't lose by 50 points, I'm willing to take that L because I'm not willing to take the L that I actually said Rutgers was going to say within 50 against Ohio State.
0: I mean, Michigan beat Rutgers 52 to zero, and I'm pretty sure Vegas likes Mich likes Ohio State more than Michigan by like 16 points. So yeah, I I really think Ohio State's going to cover this and it won't even be close. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to our last game of the week. It's going to be a very interesting one. Um, one that probably is going to define who wins the Big Ten West. Uh, Minnesota at Iowa. Iowa's a three-point favorite at home against 9-0 and Minnesota. But um, if Minnesota wins this, all that's standing between them and a Big Ten West title is Northwestern.
1: Oof. That's not really something standing in between them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Gophers. They, they won me over this week. They won me over this week. I, Penn State, uh, regard, you know, doesn't really matter that I don't think they're as good as maybe they were hyped. They're still a good football team. Um, and they really just dominated. The only thing that would scare me is uh, do you go into last week with all your hype and all your energy – uh, and have a little bit of a letdown week this week, but Iowa's a rivalry game for them. Uh, they're playing for a trophy. Uh, it's a pig, which is perfect. Um, PJ is probably going to be the, one of the best motivators, motivating coaches that are out there. Uh, I think they, they definitely uh, shouldn't be disrespected to be a a dog at, at Iowa, so uh, I'll take the Gophers.
0: And I'm going to take the Hawkeyes. Uh, and it feels wrong because they have not been good this year. Uh, but I will say they haven't had their signature stupid Kinnick win. And ordinarily, that wouldn't be over Minnesota. But Minnesota's 9-0. and It's falling right after that game over Penn State where it felt program-defining. So the only way that it could be truly program-defining for Minnesota would be if they went out and lost to Iowa the next week. Um, I don't know. I, I just have this weird feeling that Iowa's going to use their weird Kinnick voodoo, and somehow after Tanner Morgan has one of the best performances out of any quarterback in the country last week, he's going to struggle um, against this Iowa defense. So I'm taking Iowa. I don't even feel good about it but I'm going to do it anyways.
1: Awesome. We got some good, uh, good competition here this week uh, taking different lines. So it mm-hmm. uh, should be an exciting one.
0: Yeah, it should be. And hopefully it'll be tied because UMass loses to Northwestern by less than 38.
1: <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> We've had some awful, awful games that are going to decide who wins the week. And uh, this might be the worst of them.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, that's because it's the worst college football game ever to ever be played. (laughs) Um, I wanted like
1: Liberty play Rutgers.
0: Oh my god,
1: (laughs) that happened, Brendan. This conference that was another one that we disagreed on. We had to care about Liberty versus Rutgers. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh man, the Big Ten has ruined us this year. That's I do awful games. Um, I didn't put also, it in the show. Prep.
1: Why is Northwestern oh. playing UMass in November?
0: Um, why? I believe they're trying to be like an SEC school, and what they didn't realize is that they would be uh one in nine going into this, or one in eight, or whatever their record is. Um,
1: did Northwestern open with a league game this year? Did they have the weird thing where they opened with a league? I know they played the Friday Ohio State game. I did they, like,
0: open with a league game? Did. I thought they played a garbage game against Stanford week one. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Think I'm you looking. Did. I'm looking right now. Um, yeah, they they lost to Stanford 17-7. to um, Then they beat UNLV, and now they have lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 games in a row. Oh, my God. Jeremy, this team played in the Big Ten championship game last year. <laughs> oh, uh, I do man. want to bring this Can back
1: up. Will we please be in the Big Ten West?
0: Yeah, I know. I'd kill. Uh, do you know how different the Harbaugh narrative would be if he was in the Big Ten West? Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, we can do a hypothetical oh, realignment episode could, for off-season see, content.
1: See, I don't think you guys should hope for that because then he'd have to lose to Ohio State in back-to-back weeks. You know how bad that would be?
0: You know, if you double our chances, I swear to God he'll have one by now. I swear. <laughs> I swear he would He's have probably one. That would not right. If he would have gotten in the week
1: after the, uh, the JT Barrett, uh, you know, short of the line yeah if you have the week after that maybe i think i could do that i could buy that
0: for God's sakes if brandon peters is healthy yeah i'm not going in this rabbit hole we can wait two weeks to go (laughs) um (laughs) i do want to bring this back on track to our rivalry theme that we have for this uh, episode and i didn't put anything in the show notes so sorry for putting you on the spot um but i do think we need to finish on uh, a note Uh, what is your favorite michigan michigan state rivalry moment in football and hockey um i'll go first we'll do football first so i can give you time to gather your thoughts a little bit um and it is actually my first memory we were talking about this in pre-show my first michigan michigan state memory is my favorite and it's at 2007 um Henny to Mario Manningham game where they came back in East Lansing, the the little brother game. Um, And and it was, if I'm being honest, that was the game that really made me fall in love with the rivalry, even though it was my first time really watching it.
1: All right. That's a good one. That's a good game. Uh, So I don't know if this will be shocking or not, but it is not going to be the trouble with the snap game. Um, as good of a game as that was and as classic of an ending as that is, my favorite is gonna be the twenty thirteen game. Um, because that was probably the most dominant uh football game I've ever seen. And to do that against our rivals was pretty great. Uh I still feel bad for Devin Gardner about that game. Um but absolutely watching people manhandle Taylor Lewan to the point that they then got to just bully the hell out of his quarterback was it was very satisfying. Um, so yeah, that was uh I'd say twenty thirteen that's probably gonna be my favorite uh moment in the rivalry. And uh just a really fun team with Joey Calhoun and a lot of good MSU guys. That that was the one.
0: All right. And um for hockey, what's your favorite Michigan, Michigan state moment?
1: Uh still probably has to be the Cold War. Uh
0: we haven't had
1: a lot of classic like CCHA or Big Ten tournament championship games or um, even though we've been towards the top of the standings against each other it hasn't always worked out that they cross paths in the playoffs or things like that so uh, I would probably go the Cold War but uh, especially now when you can sit back and look all these years later and you see that the NHL every year is doing an outdoor game and and just how much that's become a normal part of life and then you think when the Cold War happened, that was just seen as out, just a, a crazy idea that somehow came together. Uh, it's lost its luster now, but to think that the reason outdoor games have become the marketing and just everything that they are is the fact that Michigan and Michigan State sold out Spartan Stadium for it. And the fact that we got to have the first one at Spartan Stadium is pretty cool for us now that the big house has had a couple of games uh, it's still kind of cool as an MSU fan to look back and say, like, yep, we we had the first one and it was here. Uh, and that's that's going to always be my favorite uh, hockey memory for the two schools.
0: Yeah, and, and that is certainly a cool one. I've seen so many videos from it. Um, the one for me is going to have to be, and, you know, I've talked about how I'm younger in my college hockey fandom, but uh, mine has to be uh, – the 9-2 win at Munn, the Kyle Conner year. I I know it kind of loses its luster when you find out that Michigan State was, was that the last year under Anastos or the second to last?
1: Uh, that was not the last one for sure. Cause no, the Kyle Conner year was not his last year, but
0: uh, um, it, it was probably a, his second to last. It was, it was a bad team and against a really good Michigan team. But at the time, when I was kind of a newbie into college hockey, watching Michigan go in there, and uh, it was actually tied 2-2 two to two at one point and end up winning 9-2 at Munn. Uh, it was really cool, and it's still probably my favorite memory of this rivalry. But who knows? Maybe we'll make some more this year and get a new favorite.
1: Yeah, that, that game gave me an aneurysm in looking back now because I just had to say we lost 9-2, to two. And that was not Tom Thomas, let alone Thomas's last year. That wasn't his last game. Yeah. Thanks, Mark Hollis.
0: To be fair, I just fair. gave you a
1: great. I gave Mark Hollis kudos for the Cold War, but now I'm just gonna rip him back down and say, like, thank you, Mark Hollis.
0: You. uh,
1: nope, nope. We're a family podcast. We're not gonna go down <laughs> that rabbit hole.
0: To be fair, that power play was just absolutely disgusting, and I miss it every day um
1: (laughs) you should yeah you should miss kyle connor every day yeah
0: that's i do that's not a hot take (laughs) oh man man. i'm only like a month away from getting to see him in person for the first time uh man that's gonna be awesome yeah everybody we hope you enjoyed this special edition episode this week um and we hope everybody gets a little slice of something to enjoy rivalry week at least that's the face we're putting on the podcast you know that each of us would love to go 3-0 and this weekend. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see how this unfolds. And sometime in the next week, we will have reactions for you and go really in-depth on all these games.
1: For sure. And just to bring us all together, we're going to go through Robbery Week where we're going to be very petty at each other. Uh, as I'm watching Sunday Night Football, I want everyone to take a second and let's all come together and laugh at the way that Jerry Jones claps. If you haven't seen it, please Google this. You need to see it. Uh, and then we'll come together and laugh about that. And then uh, we can get through hell week here. And, and all will come back together next Sunday to continue laughing at Jerry Jones clapping.
0: And in the end, isn't that what always brings us together? <laughs> is laughing at the Cowboys. That, is- that and Arby's mozzarella
1: sticks. That's it, Brendan. That's life.